Grace and peace be with you from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Certain memories always go back to a way that you just remember them. You know, you just, you just really remember. Now, I, I have a tendency, I, I like to reflect and go back on my memory, and sometimes I can recall certain stories and stuff, and I love to share those with you, but there are certain memories that you're almost embarrassed about, and you remember them so well. The text for our gospel lesson today is one that I have kind of messed up, not once, but twice, it's like my unicorn text. I don't know why I get it wrong, but I just do. Let me explain. When I was translating, when I, when I was first in Greek, so Concordia, Seward, Nebraska, my second year of college, so that was my first year at Seward, I had transferred in. I was in Greek. Now, the first year of Greek is all just memorizing charts and words and everything else. But your second year of Greek, or your, your second class of Greek anyway, what you do is you translate the book of John. So if you ever find my Bible that I had, it, like the, the, the Gospel of John is easy to pick out because I ruffled all the pages because I spent so much time on it. Now, when you first get started, you're doing maybe a verse, maybe two a day, if you're lucky. It's hard. It's, it's, it's challenging work to kind of parse everything out and make sure you look up all the words. You've got to spend all your time in the dictionary. And so you don't move very fast. And so it's not uncommon to get one or two verses done one day, skip a day or two, and then get to the next couple verses as you go. Now, eventually, as the class moved on, you got faster and faster, and you could, you know, translate larger portions of text. Being in John 1, as you might guess, this was in the slow period, where I was doing a verse or two, and then a lot of times I would have a day or two between classes and then doing another verse. So I had gotten all the way to verse 19, chapter 1, verse 19, and we stopped there. And then we went a couple days. And then I was up in the room. Now, I, I like to translate beforehand just to make sure I had myself ready for class. And so there was a gentleman up there. His name was Mike. He was my tutor. And we're, we're doing verse 20. Now, if you read verse 20 and you couldn't remember what happened in verse 19, verse 20 can be a scandalous text because you're reading the Bible. It's John and you forgot who was talking. And you thought the whole first chapter was about Jesus. And the verse says, And he said, I am not the Christ. And so I looked up at Mike, and he gave me the thumbs up, like I had translated it correctly. And so in my mind, I'm going, something's wrong here, because Jesus just said this, this thing that I just don't agree with. It was a scandal. Of course, then Mike realized that the deer in the headlights kind of thing was like, oh, you're messing up. John is speaking. But you see, I'd forgotten that because two days had passed and I was a college student. So, yeah. But I flubbed this text. I got it wrong. I got it really wrong because I had forgotten the context. I, I had taken just one verse 
And I had just looked at that one verse, and I had, I had completely forgotten what had happened in the earlier passages. And you see, I'm, I'm really embarrassed to even tell you that story, because it is embarrassing, isn't it? It's embarrassing when you read one verse and get it so wrong, and get it so wrong. My path had been kind of knocked sideways for at least a short while, because I had misread this text because I had misread that verse, because I had misread who was speaking. You might say, I, I had missed the forest from the trees kind of thing. I had read the verse correctly, but in the wrong context in my mind. Now, I wish I could say that that, that doesn't happen very often, but the reality is, is that it does happen. And when that does happen, when we read a verse out of context, when we, when we cherry-pick a verse here or a verse there, we get our path kind of crooked. It goes sideways. It goes, it goes kind of out of control. And left unchecked, that path can lead us down all kinds of dangerous territory, into dangerous areas. Quite frankly, if left unchecked, a path that crooked could lead you down a path that ultimately leads even to make you outside of Christianity. A path like that left unchecked. Now understand what I say here. Uh, whenever I talk about lead, you know, having a, a path go sideways and, and leading us outside of even Christianity, I'm not talking about things that are maybe debated among scholars. I'm not talking about, for instance, I'll give you a good example. When should you baptize babies? Or when should you baptize children? Some people are going to argue for infants. Some people are going to argue that, that they need to, to get a little bit older. The Bible actually does not specify. There's no verse in the Bible that says, oh, this is when you baptize children. Now, did they bring entire families to Paul to be baptized? Yes, they did. And did the early church... In fact, all of church history up till about 1500 and so, did they all believe that that meant that you baptized babies? Absolutely they did. That is the way that text and those texts have primarily been taken. And that is certainly an argument as we kind of get through and we kind of have these debates. But what I'm saying is, is having a crooked path is not going to lead you to uh, the Baptist church. And that's not what I'm arguing. Now, if you left an argument like that unchecked, where nobody ever goes to the Bible and nobody ever goes to Scripture, you might end up getting away from baptism as entirety, where the Bible commands it. Or maybe you start baptizing people or things that are completely contrary to Holy Scripture. There's at least one church that tries to baptize dead, the dead people, going back centuries trying to baptize their ancestors. You get into things like this that are completely non-Christian. Their path is crooked. Now, as we return to Scripture, as we return to our passages that are before us today, we might begin to understand or think maybe that this text really doesn't have anything to do with that, but you see, it does. You see, because in the Testaments, the Israelites had always done this, right? They, they fixate on one, they, they kind of miss the mark, they miss the focus, and then God punishes them. 
And you kind of have this wave going up and down. And even after they are finally returned to the land, Ezra and Nehemiah, even then there are battles. Even then there are rebellions. And out of those rebellions, one in particular, a group begins to emerge. And they kind of say to themselves, we're never going to do this again. And so they start fixating on the very laws of God. They begin to say, I'm not going to break the rules ever again. And since I don't want to ever break the rules again, my entire focus is going to be simply on the rules. This group becomes known as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees fixate on the laws of God. Now, I always like to say, whenever we think of God, we call him our Heavenly Father for a reason. Think of it in that familial terms. Imagine, if you will, that you as a child or your children, depending on how you want to look at it, never fixated on the love that you had for them, never talked about the love that was in a family, never talked about any of that. All they ever focused on was what you said they could not do. It's a crooked path. It's a path that has been made crooked that is leading to a very bad place. And so John is called by God to be out in the wilderness. And what is he called to say? Make straight the path. The crooked path that you guys have been on is wrong. Make straight the path. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is here. And so it is. You know, a lot of times when we think about this this idea of Jesus. And we talk about it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's, that's John chapter 14, verse 6. And we, and we think about that. And a lot of times we envision it like, like the very cross of Christ is a bridge that we, that we cross over. And I've, always, I've never hit it. I've never really loved that illustration. It's a very well-known illustration. It's not my favorite. Because that's not quite the way it is. You see, our path Our path is one of repentance and forgiveness. It is a path that goes towards our Heavenly Father, but it is a path that is blocked by the very cross of Christ. He's not our bridge. He's what's blocking us. Not blocking us from getting to our Heavenly Father, but blocking the very wrath that we deserve. Acting almost like a filter. So that our Heavenly Father does not see our sin, does not see all the ways that we have done wrong, but instead only sees the very righteousness given to us through Christ our Lord. And the wrath that we deserve, the wrath that we deserve because of our sin, because of our failures, that wrath is poured out upon Jesus that Jesus would die on the cross for you and me. So make straight the path. Make straight the path. The message is the same. Repentance. We repent of our sins as we prepare for the coming of the Lord. We repent of our sins even as we prepare to celebrate that first Christmas morning. Because we know That in repentance, as we make straight our path, that our path leads to Jesus. Because it's in Christ that we are made righteous. 
It is in Christ that we are forgiven. It is in Christ that we are reconciled with our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.